Well, let's look at 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And uh, we're going to uh, look through this old chapter tonight, looking at the Christian and full assurance. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things in this world you can't depend on, but certainly you can depend on the salvation of God. And uh, this chapter deals with that as far as how we can have that assurance. In uh, 1 John chapter 5, in verse 1, it says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and every one that loveth him that begat loveth uh, him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. Uh, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father and the Word and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself, he that believeth not God hath, not made, hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. If any man see his brother in sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not unto death. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one touches them not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God is come, and hath given us an understanding, that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God in eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. And so the assurance, the full assurance the believer has. I thought it was interesting that I saw this clip uh, that was about the person who wrote this book and it's about uh, Christian supremacy of, uh, what do they call it? Christian supremacy in regards to the military. Uh, 
and I, I listened to them for a little bit and had to turn them off after about a minute and a half. Uh, but anyway, they were basically talking about the fact that Christians believe they're the only way to heaven. They're the only ones going to heaven. Uh, the Christians are so um, uh, insistent that you need to do a Bible study that Christians are really uh, putting others down and feeling, though, that they're the only ones right. And I thought, well, that sounds good to me. It goes right along my chapter, chapter 5 in 1 John. And uh, God has given us a clear evidence and clear witness of the fact that you can be assured of the fact that you're going to heaven. And other people do not have that. As we go on through 1 John, we looked at the Christian and his fellowship and certainly our fellowship with each other is with uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the foundation of everything. And Jesus is everything. And anything apart from Christ does not offer any type of hope and confidence. We talked about Christian as sin. The Bible is very clear to outline what is sin. To him to know to good, do good and doeth it not to him is sin. And God outlines for us how do we respond to that. And then we looked at uh, the Christian and his advocate. I'm glad we have someone interceding for us at the throne of grace. That's Jesus Christ, the righteous. I'm glad that we have an understanding of our associations. Uh, we are supposed to come out of the world. We live in the world, but we're not part of the world. We have associations that are based on our relationship with Christ. And then we looked at God's love. The Christian in God's love. I'm thankful that God's love is unconditional. I'm thankful that it's enduring. I'm thankful that God is immutable. He doesn't change and we can enjoy that love. And I'm thankful that he loved us before we loved him. And uh, so we talked about God's love. And then we talked about the Christian in God's people. How precious it is. Sometimes I think we forget of the precious privilege that we have uh, to be brothers and sisters in Christ, a part of the family of God. And I think many believers forget that we are family. And uh, we want to act like we're the enemies of each other, but in reality, we're part of the family of God. Then we looked at this matter of false teachers. And there is a way to deal with false teachers. Uh, you proclaim them a heretic and you stay away from them. You don't read their material. You don't listen to what they have to say. Don't entertain their thoughts. And uh, we have a proper way to respond to false teachers. And then we last week we were talking about the perfect love of God uh, that we can enjoy. No wonder you can come to the conclusion in chapter 5 that we're secure. We have full assurance that we have eternal life. And so that's kind of what we want to look at tonight. So first of all, in verses 1 through 5, we see the assurance of victory. And I, I just believe that we are victors in Christ. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And so we need to live a life of victory, not a life of defeat. And uh, that assurance of victory is based on letter A there by a mutual love. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him, that begat, it, begat loveth him also, that is begotten of him. And so there is a mutual love that takes place. And uh, God loves us, and because he loves us, uh, we love him. And because of the fact that he loves the brethren, then there's a mutual relationship that we have with each other. We love each other. 
not because of who the person is or what they have done or how they respond to us, but we have a mutual love that's through a proper identification. Uh, Jesus would confront Peter, who do, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, that art the Christ, the son of the living God. So the assurance of victory is based on the fact that we have a mutual love through a proper identification on the foundation of what that love is. The love that we have for each other is based on the love of Christ. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah of Israel. He is the Savior of the world. And because He is the Savior of the love world, He demonstrated that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And so there is a mutual love that is based upon the identification of who Christ is. But also, it's through the proper glorification. John chapter 17 is a great chapter because it deals with Jesus' prayer for his disciples and certainly his prayer for us. And uh, in John chapter 17, in uh, verse uh, 4 and 5, uh, John declares this relationship that Jesus has in that he has glorified his Father and his Father would be glorified in him. And John 17, 4 says, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. And so when we talk about the assurance of victory, it is based on the mutual love of God that he has for his son and certainly his son for the father. And because of that, he loves us. And that mutual love extends to the fact that Jesus Christ came into this world and did the work that glorified his father in heaven and was comfortable with the reality that his father would glorify him. And so we enjoy that relationship with God based on a proper identification and proper glorification. It is not about man exalting himself. It is about us lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. And so we identify who Christ is and we glorify him in his rightful position because he loved us. And so it was a mutual love. Notice letter B there is just simply this, a modeling love. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God and we, uh, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Modeling that love of God. Uh, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And so our, we're living out our life demonstrating the reality of our love for Christ because of the fact that we obey his commandments. Because his commandments are not grievous. They're not burdensome. It is, is not, you know, people came out with that term years ago, legalism. And basically legal is legalism in the technical aspect of the word is adding works to grace in order to be saved. It has nothing to do with a person living a holy, righteous life. And so uh, if somebody wants to model the love of God, uh, they're going to demonstrate uh, the love of Christ or love for God 
in reference to them obeying what he says. Jesus said, you love me, keep my commandments. It's, and so John goes on and says they're not grievous. So the modeling love is in response to God's love. And uh, God loved us before we ever loved him. I like what First Thessalonians, I'm not going to look up all these verses. I put quite a few in here. But uh, First Thessalonians chapter 5 uh, is an, an outline or really a conclusion to the Thessalonian letter of what is expected or what should be the response uh, to God's love in a person's life. In First Thessalonians 5 in verse 15 it says, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. So Paul's just simply saying this. There's a way to live out, a way that you model your testimony of your love for God. And he says, look, you don't render evil for evil. Uh, you, don't, you follow that which is good. You, you don't... You don't live your life just in selective terms. You're going to live your life based on the love of Christ. That's why he says in verse 16, rejoice evermore. We can be happy in the Lord because he loves us. We can be happy in, in our walk with God because the reality is he's promised he would never leave us nor forsake us. We are victorious and we model that love that God has for us in victory. He says, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. I was talking to one of the students today, and they were complaining because the cookies that were freshly made for them today were not warm. Basically, they were requesting that the staff in the kitchen not cook the cookies so early so that they would be warmer. And I told him, I said, well, the Bible says in everything, give thanks. You ought to be thankful you got a cookie. Amen. Amen. It could throw it in the trash. I, almost, I felt like doing that, walking over and dumping them all in the trash. But I wouldn't do that because the workers in the kitchen work hard to put the food out there. I wouldn't waste that food because of some foolishness of a child. But we have that mentality in 2019 in America that we, we expect everything to be done the way we want it done, and we want everything to be responded to in the way we want people to respond to us, and we forget to give thanks. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, I pray. God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, Paul's just laying it out. There is a way that you live out an example of what the love of God is. You, Jesus Christ was in all points tempted, yet without sin. And so he modeled what love is. He brought to us the love of God. And so we need to live out the love of Christ in front of others. And so we model love in response to God's love. But we also model love by having a rapport with God's commandments. And uh, that's why it tells us in verse 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. And so we have a rapport. We have a working relationship, if you will, 
with uh, the law of God and the word of God, the commands of God. In John chapter 14 and verse 21 uh, through 24, John 14, where am I at? Chapter 14, verse 21 says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. Isn't it amazing how many times, y'all do a study on that just yourself, how many times there is the rapport that is established between obedience to God's commands and the evidences of God's love. So he says, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judah saith unto him, Not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? And Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which has sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. And so there is a, a rapport that we have with the commands of God is in reference to the fact we live out obedience to those commands because we're modeling the love of God. And you, you realize, you ever stop to think, and I wonder sometimes when people argue about being obedient to God's commands, did you ever stop to think of why God gave you his law? I mean, did God give the law to you to burden you and weigh you down? No, he gave you his law. It's not grievous. He gave you his law for protection. He gave you his law so that we might know who Christ is and realize that we're a sinner. You wouldn't know you were a sinner if God said, thou shalt not lie. You wouldn't know you're a sinner if you did, God did not give us his Ten Commandments. And when then we look at our life and we see how we break every one of them. And so God's law is good. It's grace to us because it brings us. It's our schoolmaster, Paul says in Galatians, bringing us to faith in Christ. That's how much God loves us. You as parents don't put regulations and rules on your children because you hate them. You put regulation and rules on your children because you love them, because you want to protect them, and you want the best for them. Well, God does the same thing for us. He's our Heavenly Father, and we have the assurance of victory because we can model the love of God and how we can overcome all these things in the world. Let us see there, by a mentoring love. So it's not only a mutual, it's not only a model, but it's mentoring. In verse 4 and 5 it says, Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. And so this mentoring of uh, love uh, in our life gives us victory. Why? Because the mentoring aspect of love, number one there, puts dependence on Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 16, 33, In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So we depend upon uh, Jesus Christ. It, it, it's amazing to watch every day in the news how oppressive our governments are becoming. I saw the thing, uh, San Francisco just 
branded the NRA as a domestic terrorist group. You know, I mean, come on, give me a break. Uh, then, you know, and then I heard that that other demonstration of um, you know, calling uh, Christians being white uh, Christian supremacy because we believe that we're uh, going to heaven and that others aren't going to heaven. And you just, whatever's good, whatever's positive, they just are lumping into something that is completely, totally negative. And so this world is corrupt. It's going to get worse. In this world, you shall have tribulation. But wait a minute, the mentoring aspect of the love of God is be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. And so I depend on Jesus Christ. I rest in him. If he loves me that much, he's going to give me victory in this world. And the reality is during the tribulation period, there'll be thousands of people who get saved. It'll be a horrible time on this earth. You think it's bad now? It's going to be terrible on this earth. But there'll be multitudes who will get saved. Why? Because of the mentoring aspect of sharing the word of God and expressing the love of God, uh, people will come to faith in Christ. So there's dependence upon Christ, but there's also deliverance by Jesus Christ. Uh, John, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, oh, well, this, oh, well, this, oh, I can't even think of the verse. I had it. <laughs> I was going to say it. Oh, man, I'll tell you. I hate it when you get a verse in your mind and it just floats away. But thanks be to God, that's one one to start it off, who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I can depend on the Lord and I can uh, have victory and de uh, deliverance because of the Lord. And that is all because of how much he loves me. I'm assured of the victory that uh, he has promised because he'll never leave us nor abandon us. And so we need to mentor others. We need to help them to enter in this concept of understanding the love of Christ so that they might be able to be delivered and they might have a full assurance of victory. And uh, so there's also the assurance of eternity. In verses 6 through 13, uh, notice the assurance of victory. I mean, I'm sorry, of eternity. Letter A is by a spiritual witness. In verse 6, John says, this is, uh, this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, uh, but by water and blood, that it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. And so, by a spiritual witness. The spiritual witness is the confirmation of the sacrifice that had to be made. And uh, Jesus Christ in John chapter 19, when he died on the cross, we know that the prophecies of old was that he would not have any bones broken in his body. Uh, it also says that he would be a witness by the water and the blood in John chapter 19 in verse 34. Says, but none of the, but one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side. He had to pierce his side because of the fact it fulfilled prophecy, but also by piercing his side, it would give evidence of whether he died or not. So one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. That's a spiritual witness of First John chapter five that he came 
by blood and water. And so the spear goes in his side and uh, uh, there came forth uh, blood and water. And he that saw it bear record and his record is true. And he knoweth that he saith true that he might believe. For these things were done that the scriptures should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they pierced. And so there's a spiritual witness in reference to the confirmation of uh, the uh, death of Christ on Calvary. It was by water and by blood, and the Spirit bared witness to that. So it's not only a confirmation of the sacrifice that was made, but the confirmation of the Spirit. And uh, certainly the Spirit of God would bear witness of the fact uh, that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And uh, Jesus spoke about the Spirit's witness in John chapter 7, of uh, the thirsting for waters, and he spoke of the fact that that would be uh, the Spirit of God flowing in man. And so literally Jesus tells us that uh, the Spirit of God confirms the reality that Jesus died for us according to the scriptures and he died as the sacrifice that met the demands of a holy God. And so I can be assured of eternity just based on the spiritual sacrifice that was made for me. And so not only is it conf confirmed by the sacrifice and by the spirit, but it's also assurance of eternity by a celestial witness. Notice in verse 7, it says, And there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And so celestial means in the heavens. And so here is a witness that is confirmed in the heavens. You know, in Matthew chapter 3, when Jesus was baptized, the Spirit came down on Jesus, led in the form of a dove. And they heard a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, whom I well pleased. And then you read over in, in uh, Matthew chapter 17 when uh, Jesus would take Peter, James, and John up on the Mount of Transfiguration. And what a glorious event when they saw Jesus transfigured in front of their eyes and they would hear from heaven a celestial confirmation and witness. This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. And so there is a confirmation, an assurance of eternity in the base, not just on the spiritual witness of the sacrifice that was made, but the confirmation from heaven that Jesus Christ was identified by the Father in heaven, uh, that he was the eternal Son and the one that came. So there is a celestial. You know, when, they, when, when Jesus was born, I mean the heavens were filled with angels. I, often, I think sometimes we don't do that justice when the shepherds see the heavens opened up with the angels of glory singing. I just believe it was bright, it was shiny, it was loud, it was glorious. I mean to tell you, it was a time because they were announcing the birth of Jesus Christ. It was a witness that came from heaven. There was a witness that came from heaven as the Spirit of God would come down on Jesus. There was a witness that was confirmed from heaven when his father would cry out, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so the celestial witness confirms the fact that I have assurance that I'm saved for all eternity. 
Well, there's also by terrestrial witness. Notice in verse 8, it says, There are three that bear witness in earth. Ter terrestrial is on earth. So you got it coming from wit heaven witness, and then you got it coming from the earth. There are three that bear witness in earth, the spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree in one. And I've, I've had all different translations. They'll leave one of those verses out and they'll say, well, well, that's a contradiction in scripture. There's no contradiction. And there's a confirmation in scripture where the witness is coming from. It comes from heaven and earth. All powers given unto me in heaven and earth, Jesus said. And so there's a witness in reference to that. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 26 through 28 confirms the fact that there is a witness on this earth in reference to Jesus Christ. And so I'm assured of eternity because of these two witnesses. But also by an immortal witness. In uh, uh, verse 9 and 10 it says, If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not that the record, uh, not the record that God gave of his Son. And so there's an immortal witness. It is based on the fact whatever man says may be all right, but whatever God says outweighs what man says. And there's an immortal uh, a reality of who Christ is and what he has done for us on Calvary. And because of that, we trust what God has said and not what man has. You know, man says the Bible's not true. The man, man says you don't have to be saved. Man says he can do whatever he pleases. But yet God says you must be born again. And so in John chapter 5, in verse 33, says, Ye sent unto John, and bear witness unto the truth. But I received not the testimony from man, but these things I say, that ye might be saved. And he was burning and a shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have greater witness than that of John. And John was a great man. The Bible says there was no man that was greater or better than John that was born of a woman than John. John was a great man. But he says this, But I have a greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the immortal witness and testimony that God in heaven testified of who Christ is and what he would do and accomplish the will of Father on this earth. So we have a spiritual witness, a celestial witness, a terrestrial witness. I like saying those two words. That's why I read through it again. And an immortal witness. And then letter E is just simply this, a scriptural witness. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God in verse 11 this is the record that God has given unto us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written, there it is. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, 
and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. A scriptural reference. That's why we don't mess with the Bible. We don't try to change the Bible. Now, the Bible recorded everything that God wanted you to know. People say, well, I just think there's some things that we don't, can't figure out. Well, God didn't want you to figure it out. You just wait till you get to heaven. You'll know everything then, and then you won't care. And so, and, you know, when you get somebody dies and goes to hell, they'll be concerned about it. They'll be wondering about it. They won't be not denying the word of God in hell. I can guarantee you that. But there is a written witness. There's a scriptural witness that Jesus Christ came in this world and died for us. And because of that, we are assured of eternity. I did not get saved temporarily. I got saved eternally. And uh, how we need to get over this thing with this world just keeps trying to impress upon us that, well, you can't know for sure if you died, you go to heaven. I've asked people that hundreds of times. I've asked people, if you died today, do you know 100% sure you'd go to heaven? And I've had it hundreds of times. People said, nobody can know that. Oh, is that so? These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. They didn't say that you can guess about it. They didn't say that you can hope about it. He didn't say maybe you can get good enough to get it. He just said this, this was written, this book was written so that you might know who the Son of God is and that you could believe and by believing you have eternal life. So there's assurance of eternity. Well, in verse 21, uh, 14 through 21, there's assurance of purity. Man, this, this chapter is full of assurance. Notice this assurance in verse 14 and 15 is our confidence in prayer. Say, why do we pray? Because we have confidence in prayer. Verse 14 says, and this is the confidence that we have in him. I love reading places where it talks about our victory in him, our confidence in him, our assurance in him. I love reading those verses. And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. Confidence in praying. I gave you a bunch of verses here you can look up. It would be a good study for you to do. Confidence in praying. If we ask, I believe this with all my heart. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And the follow-up is that if we know that he hears us, then that means we, we will have the petitions that we bring before him. I really believe the key is what is the will of God. God wants us to understand his will. And I believe God always answers his, his, our prayers in reference to his will. And so confidence in prayer. In a few minutes, we're going to go through his prayer list. We're going to be praying together for these people. We need to pray in faith believing. We need to pray in faith believing. God, if we're praying in its accordance with your will, then you hear us. And we're confident if you hear us, we're going to receive our petitions that we bring for, before you. And so it's a confidence in prayer. There's also, verse 16 and 17, Assurance of purity in reference to our confession of sin. In verse 16, if any man see his brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask. You say, well, what's a sin that's not unto death? I don't know. Look around. There's a whole lot of people sinning every day and they ain't dying. 
If any man see his brother's sin of sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not unto death. And so confession of sin, that's why John starts out in chapter 1, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm glad that God does not smack us dead the moment we sin. Now, this place would be empty tonight. They'd have to, you'd have to look for another preacher. Any of you that made it through, we'd have to be looking for another preacher. There is a sin that is unto death, but we're not praying for that. No, we're living in the reality that God's grace is sufficient. And because his grace is sufficient, then we are confident uh, in our prayers and we're confident to respond in confession of our sins that we might be pure for, before God. Why? Because all unrighteousness is sin. We just need to start calling sin what it is. Anything that's not right with God is sin. We don't make it complicated. So our confession of sin. Then verse 18 and 19, our continuance in righteousness the assurance of purity is based on confidence in prayer, confession of our sin, and in continuing in the righteousness of Christ. Verse 18, we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. Now, that word there, sinneth not, literally means habitually keep sinning. And uh, But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth them not. And we know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And so he says, listen, whosoever is born of God, you're not going to go chasing after the devil. You're not going to go chasing after the wicked things of the devil. You're going to keep yourself from those things. Why? Because you're aware of the fact that you are righteous in Christ. And so we are of God. And because we're of God, then we want to continue on in righteousness. Amen. And so are continuance. And then verse 20 and 21, assurance of purity in reference to our conviction of the true God. See, your conviction about God makes all the difference of how you live. And so, and we know the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God in eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. And so the conviction that there is a true God. And uh, there are false gods in this world, and there is a true God. And uh, so we know because Jesus Christ came into this world, he gives us full assurance that there is one true living God. And he is the son of that God. And he came in this world to sacrifice himself for us that we might be assured of the fact that we can know we're going to heaven. Why? Because we are victorious in Christ. Uh, the victory we have in Christ is not a temporary event, but it's an eternal existence. And it is, develops in us a longing and a desire and a commitment 
to living a life that is pure because we know that God is real. If God is real and he is everywhere, if God is everything that we say he is, shouldn't that impact us in how we live? I'll I, I tell you, some people say, well, there's not wrong uh, with uh, going in a bar and drinking. You know, I mean, if you're saved, you're saved, you're going to heaven. Oh, yeah, well, I don't, I don't want to go in there. The Lord's with me. I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost. Why would I drag God into a filthy place like that? And I thought we're supposed to walk in the light as he's in the light. Why do we want to go into a place of darkness? Why do you want to defile ourselves when we know the Son of God is abiding with us? So we have full assurance uh, that heaven is real, God is real, and we're going to be with the Lord one day in heaven, and everything's going to be all right in my Father's house. Amen. Well, we need to pray tonight. Now,